Easter. So we're in Acts 13, and we're going to jump off from there. I know you're going to think, wait a minute, is he about to preach the same message as, as two weeks ago? No, but I want to give us a, uh, a starting point. We looked at, um, at Acts 13, and we talked about just four verses. I'm going to read those four verses uh, again, and, uh, and, and then we'll, we'll get going. Okay, so verse 1. Now there were in the church uh, at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And then this was, this was really the, the content of what we pulled out two weeks ago. I'm sorry, last week. It said, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting... Okay, so we had to stop there because their, their present action was worshiping the Lord and fasting. That was what they were participating in, right? So while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, okay? So their worshiping and fasting um, was in anticipation of, was waiting on the Holy Spirit to do what he wanted to do. And it says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul uh, for the work uh, to which I have called them. John, it's freezing in here. Will you... Um, Just, yeah, yeah, that's good. All right. He's like, heat, you know. <laughs> Don't do that. We'll go the other way, and everybody will be. All right. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I, I saw many of you, like, <laughs> freezing. So, um, okay. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then look at verse 3. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So what we get a window into in these four verses is the activity of this church, right? We get, a, we get a window into the activity of the church. They were worshiping and fasting, and in the midst of that worshiping and fasting, they were available, and the Holy Spirit came and said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have prepared for them, right? I mean, this is, this is in the rhythm of worshiping and fasting. There's the, a move of the Holy Spirit that says, Okay, now you and you go here. I've set this work apart for you. And then what did they do? What does it say in verse 3? Then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them and sent them off. So, so really the, the rhythm of this church is based in three things, prayer, fasting, and worship, right? That's the activity that they're committed to. And we talked about the importance of that because all three of those elements, they draw us to abiding, right? We looked at John 15. Um, they, they draw us to abiding because prayer is a confession that I cannot do it on my own, right? It's drawing off of the power of God. It's saying I am unable to do what God has asked me to do, and so I've got to draw off of Him in order for, to experience what I've been told I, I need to experience, right? So that's prayer. Fasting is this denial of the flesh, right, to seek God in a deeper way. It's denying just uh, on a basic level hunger and going, God, what I need, I only can get from you. You're the only thing that satisfies me, right? So it draws us to a deeper place. And then worship, what is worship? That worship is the acknowledgement of a being that is worthy of your worship, which means you're not worthy of worship, right? It's saying, God, you are God. Worship is acknowledging who he is and therefore acknowledging who we are. And as we acknowledge who he is, we're brought to the position of being on our knees. And that's why worship and prayer and fasting all go together because there is this acknowledgement of God being God, us being in our place, and it allows us to work in the way we were uh, created to work by abiding in him. We can do nothing apart from him is what John 15 says, right? Right? Or are you still frozen? Okay. So this is their activity. Now we got a. This is an accountability check. What's the activity of normal church? 
would you say that these things are in there? So I'm, not, I'm not asking you to be critical. I'm just asking us to, to, to look at the normal activity of ourselves. So when we get together, are these things present? Okay. When we get together in life groups, when we even come here, when we, uh, in the next hour, when we come together, are these things present? And is the activity of our Christian lives from those activities or is it from our flesh? Meaning, they were worshiping, praying, and fasting, which made them available for the Holy Spirit to move and for them to then uh, participate in the activity that God would have them do, right? Barnabas and Saul went because of obedience to the Spirit. Well, they were obedient to the Spirit because they were worshiping, praying, and fasting. Is our activity out of abiding or is it out of doing? Uh, a friend of mine um, told me one time, and I thought it was just so profound. It's simple but profound. He said, uh, we are um, human beings, not human doings. And we were created to be. We were created to rest and abide in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is in us. And all of our activity is meant to flow from that place of abiding. And that's what this picture for them was. All of their activity flowed from this place of abiding. And so um, in our normal Christian world, I think uh, in our Western Christian world, I think though it's skewed sometimes, I think that we are beginning to grasp worship in spirit and in truth. I, I really feel like um, your generation is beginning to get it. Um, you, you're, you're really beginning to lock in on this heart of worship. That's not to lift you up. I just, I think generations before have set the stage and, um, and you guys are starting to come into uh, worship, which is really authentic and true and good. And, um, and I think though we need to grow tremendously um, in prayer, I do believe that there is a desire on your part to really release the power of prayer. And in some way, it may not be perfect and it, it may be a little rough around the edges, but in some way, I do believe that you're going for it in prayer. What I saw last night would not have taken place with a group of my friends 10 years ago. Uh, not last night, um, Friday night. What I saw in the area of prayer was a, was a special thing. God has given you a desire to press in in uh, in prayer and and that's good, but there's one of these elements that I want to teach today that I think we've largely forgotten. I don't think we really have any idea what fasting is. Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, uh, I certainly don't hear about hear it talked about much, though it's coming kind of back into conversation. Um, and so, what I want to do is I want to teach us this last element, and then we're going to do it. Uh, and we're not going to do it. I'm not going to say, okay, now go fast. We're going to do it from life groups. It's going to be an appointed time. I don't want you doing this separate from life group, though you're welcome to join us. If you're not in a life group and you're going, no, I want to participate in that fast, great. But really the, the heart of this is from life group. That's where you're going to have community. That's where you're going to be able to share testimony, build strength. Um, and so we want to do that from, uh, from there. So if you're sitting here with us, you're not in a life group, and you're going, well, I want to fast. Well, there's other cool things that happen from life group. So get in a life group is what we're saying. All right. So let's, uh, let's, look at, uh, let's look at fasting, because really what I believe is that, you know, we're, like I said earlier, we're, we're seeing God do some really cool stuff. I, Friday night was so huge for me, just really showed me a picture of your heart, um, and I feel like what God's doing is, again, I, I said it's a beginning, Friday was a beginning. I feel like God's calling us into a deeper, uh, a deeper level of commitment to Him. 
And I don't mean that in a fleshly way. I don't mean just like that's what we say. I'm, I'm talking about a heart commitment, like a genuine giving of ourselves to him. And I think as the world grows more and more and more apathetic to the message of Jesus, I think the disciples of Jesus are going to grow more and more and more and more fervent and sold out on his behalf. And that's what I feel like is happening is we're seeing our world and our culture grow apathetic. You guys are starting to burn for him in a way that you never have before. And that's really cool to see those two things happen. So I feel like that's where we are is going, uh, growing, growing deeper. Um, so just real quick, on November the 6th, which is Thursday night, when the sun goes down, our fast will begin. So just watch. If you forget, just when that big orange thing, yellow thing, you can't see it anymore, that's the beginning, okay? Kind of tough in East Texas because it happens like four hours early because the trees are so tall, right? So <laughs> you look on your weather app, it'll tell you when the sun actually goes down. Man, being from West Texas, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird for the sun to disappear before it really disappears. Um, okay, so we're going to start November the 6th. That's Thursday night when the sun goes down. We will end when the sun goes down Friday night. That's a full day. It's a full day. According to the biblical calendar, that's a full day. Okay. So that's just the details. I'll give you all the details at the end. So what is fasting? That's the, that's the question we've got to answer because there's a lot of different ideas. Let me, let me start by telling you what it's not. Fasting is not self-mortification. That's, that's not fasting. In fact, I think a reason that we saw fasting decline in such a huge way in terms of a Christian discipline is because this, uh, this flagellation or self-mortification got so elevated, right? Got so elevated that people went, wait a minute, that's not, that's not seeking the Lord at all. That's just abusing your bodies, right? And so it kind of got, it became a, a really uh, negative religious thing, and so it got pushed back and really fell off the radar for, uh, for a long, 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 long time. So it's not self-mortification. It's not, uh, it's not a hunger strike. A hunger strike is, is aimed at, uh, at political reasons. You guys have seen that probably before. Uh, it can get labeled as fasting, but uh, the aim there is political. And fasting, according to the scriptures, is not, a, is not for political means, Okay. And it's not dietary, though, and this is kind of cool, if you'll study fasting, fasting actually has tremendous dietary benefits. Regular fasting is proven to have uh, a lot of dietary benefits, but fasting is not because uh, you want to you lose weight or you want to uh, go on a cleanse or whatever all the cool popular things are now. I couldn't even speak the language, but, um, but it's, it's not dietary. Who, uh, who has... Who has fasted? I mean, it's crazy. When you look in, look in the Bible, who has fasted and why, why have they fasted? So we know what it's not, but what is fasting? And really, I, I, let's just make it simple. You guys cool for simple? I love simple. So in its simplest form, what fasting is biblically is it's abstaining for food, from food for spiritual purposes. Okay? Remember, everything else was at different for different reasons. Uh fasting according to the scriptures is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. The drive in fasting is to focus more on God. The drive of fasting is to go deeper and is to develop more intimacy, is to focus. It's about God and it's not about us. Fasting is about him. So who has fasted? I mean, this is crazy. Listen to this list of people who regularly fasted. Moses, David, 
Elijah, Esther, Daniel, Anna the prophetess, Paul, and Jesus all participated in regular fasting. Those, those people, like, did some legit stuff in this book. I don't know. I mean, some, some people, uh, some church fathers that have, that have fasted. Martin Luther, regular faster. John Calvin, John Knox, John Wesley. Everybody that had a biblical bent is uh, John. Um, so congrats, man. <laughs> you were born spiritual, bro. <laughs> Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney, man, all these guys committed. Anybody, any other Johns in here? You guys want to teach? Okay, just one. All these guys were, were people who regularly, regularly fasted, right? Um, the question, though, is, is it really that important? Is it really that important, or, or is it something that, that some do, just like the super spiritual Johns, those people do it, but not anybody else, um, well, does Jesus command us to fast? Have you, have you, ever, have you ever asked that question? You know, when we talk about fasting, does Jesus specifically ask us to fast? The, the short answer is no. I know it sounds weird. The short answer is that no, there is no specific command where Jesus says, you shall fast, okay? When we talk about a command, we, we talk about it in that way. It's a really clear uh, and pointed you shall or you shall not kind of thing. And I don't know why we say shall. You should or you shouldn't, right? I went King James on you. He doesn't specifically command us to fast. But I want to show you two places that I feel like um, are, are just about that short of a command. Okay, so go to Matthew chapter 6. Remember, fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Amen. All right. You in Matthew 6, go to verse uh, 16. There's a whole little section. Some of your Bibles may have a whole section here called fasting. The first verse uh, here in that section is verse 16 of chapter 6, and it says, and when you fast. Okay. So there's something there that would tell us that, that Jesus was speaking about fasting as if it was already a regular practice in the lives of people that he was talking to, right? Part of the reason that we may not see Jesus say fasting as a command is because it was a normal practice in his day. I mean, he was, he was fasting, and that we're going to talk about um, his disciples because there's actually a question where his disciples are, seem to not be fasting. But it was a normal practice in his day. And so he says, when you fast, now listen to this command, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, see, there it is again. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So fasting, in this context, fasting was something that was almost assumed, not commanded. I'm not going to tell you it was a command, but it was almost assumed. And what, what way were people fasting? What was Jesus talking about fasting? Was he, was he talking about fasting so that everybody could see? No, because we know how Jesus feels about that. Once man applauds you and recognizes you, he said that you have had your reward in full. 
Somebody just, uh, Case, will you give me a couple of claps? Listen to this sound. All right. That's it. Is that what we're living for? Right? I mean, that's it. When man looks at you and applauds and recognizes, man, you must be spiritual. You're fasting. Yes, I know. Can't you see my face? Right? And it's over. That echo of that clap is long gone. It lasts that long. And we've had our reward. But what Jesus says is when you fast, he's talking about fasting being the secret place of our life. He's talking about fasting as a discipline on the inner man. Like it is something that we do in the secret place uh, because, and he says that your father who sees in secret will reward. So there is this reward of intimacy with him. But if you do it for the applause of man, then you will have your reward and there will be no reward of intimacy with the father. But it's a it's a uh, discipline that's practiced in the secret place, not for men to see and know about it. So he says, when you fast, go to Matthew 9, just a couple of pages over. Now, here's what I said a minute ago. There's a question about Jesus' disciples and fasting. Uh, just start in verse 14 here. It says, then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? You see the, the, the heart of their question. They're looking at the disciples of Jesus, and they're going, look, we're fasting. The Pharisees are fasting. Your guys are eating. What's up? Why are you guys not fasting? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And listen, look here. And then they will fast. Right? So he's saying the bridegroom is present. This is for them. This is a time of festivity. Right? I'm here. And he says, but there will be a day when I leave. And on that day, they will what? They will fast. Is Jesus here in the flesh? No, so we live in the day that he was talking about here where the bridegroom is not with us. And he says, and and in those days, they will fast. So it seemed to be something that was, again, I don't know, man. You may go, that sounds like a command. Uh, It's it's really close. In those days, they will will fast. Um, So fasting for Jesus, though not explicitly commanded, was almost assumed and then taught on how you actually how you actually do it. So why should we fast? Go back to Matthew 6. Why do we fast? I'm going to read it again. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have to receive their reward. Okay? So why do we fast? Verse 17. Just listen. I'm not going to explain this. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. So fasting has an audience, right? Right? That audience is not man. When you fast, somebody is watching. And who is that? 
That's the Father. When you fast in the right way, when you fast not for men, you have an audience, right? God is observing. God is watching. And then look here. But your Father who's in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So we've got to be careful with that word reward because we go, oh, sweet. So all I have to do is, is fast and God's going to um, give me what I want. Watch it. <laughs> what, is, what is fasting going to do? Fasting is going to, in the same way that praying should, fasting is going to lock us in to the heart, will, and intent of the Father. So that He's not going to give us, uh, I'm sorry, He is going to give us what we want. Why? Because when we're worshiping, fasting, and praying, what we want is what He wants and what He wants to give. Right? Right? This isn't about coming up with what I want. Let me think about something that I want uh, in, a, in a flesh way. Let me think about something that I need. Yeah, a new car would be nice, so I'll fast, and my father who's, and I won't tell anybody so that I'll get, right, the new car. This isn't the idea. Worshiping, this lifestyle of worshiping, fasting, and praying, if you look at all the people that I listed, it was so that they could be so locked in and so in tune with the heart, will, and intent of the Father that when they prayed, when they fasted, they knew what he wanted, and what he gave was what they were already asking because they were asking according to his will that's why jesus said when you when you pray when you ask in my name it'll be given to you that word in my name means as if you were me or that that phrase as if you were me praying in the name of jesus is not saying his name at the end of a prayer but praying as if he were praying asking for the things that are already in his heart and he will give you what he wants to give you that's the, that's the design, that's the whole design of worshiping prayer and fasting, that our life might be so interconnected with Him, that our heart might be so bound with His, that, that our desires are His desires, our thoughts are His thoughts, right? This is the discipline of fasting, worship, and prayer. And so the reward of fasting is that we become more intimate with the Father, that when we ask, we're asking according to His heart. And, he, and it says, He who sees in secret will reward. There is a reward of a drawing near to the Father when we, uh, when we fast. If it's not just about Him, and it's about you or anything else, it's strictly religious and will have no power. That's why fasting really fell off the map, as it became just a religious practice. There was no power in it. It was just, how much can I uh, abuse myself uh, and there was, no, there was no power in fasting. The power in fasting comes in the focus. Look at Zechariah, if you can find it. Good luck, friends. Zechariah, do we have Zechariah 7, 5 for up there? Look at this. Say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh for these 70 years... Was it for me that you fasted? This is this question that God asks his people. I see you fasting. I see you being religious, but what was your motive? Was it for me? When we fast, we fast for a motive of intimacy with the Father. We fast with a motive of knowing his heart, will, and intent, right? 
And what it does is fasting teaches us where life and satisfaction actually come from. See, we're, we, we believe that life and satisfaction, think of the things, just real quick, take an inventory of your life. What are the things that, that you would say right now satisfy you? Just where are you at right now? What are things that you would say satisfy you? What are the things that you would say bring life and bring joy? And the question is, how many of those things are just external things? How many of those things with the right circumstances would be gone from you? Right? It, for, for a lot of us, that list of what, what is satisfying to us with the right circumstances could very quickly be destroyed, right? We wouldn't have to think real hard on a scenario where the things that satisfy us are gone in a moment, right? Tragedy kind of has a way of us realizing that, that life is frail, that the things that are of the earth are temporary. And if our satisfaction is held in those things, then we're not actually being satisfied, We're being satisfied in a way, but it's not to the depth of which we were designed to be satisfied. And what fasting does is it's a practice of removing something that we say we absolutely need. Like how many of you would complain if in the next three hours you ate nothing? How many of us leave? Thank you for an honest man. (laughs) How many of us leave church and it's like, I've got to go get something, right? I mean, we're just in this pattern of I've got to eat, I've got to eat, I've got to eat. And that's not bad. God designed our bodies to consume food. That's, that's how we physically stay alive in many ways, right? It's not a bad thing. But what fasting does is it reminds us that we are not ultimately filled and satisfied by the things of the earth. But we are filled and satisfied by the things which are of him. Life doesn't come by what I can produce for myself. Life doesn't come from the things on the earth. Life comes from him. Satisfaction comes from him. And fasting puts us in a position to remember who we're satisfied by. Anybody? You guys like ready to fast now? (laughs) So how should we fast? Well, let's look at, let's, I want to show you this real quick. Sorry. Go to John chapter four. What time is, okay, we're good. Way good. How many times have you ever heard me say that? We got plenty of time. All right, check this out. Listen to listen to what Jesus says, okay, in John chapter four. Uh let's go to verse thirty one. Meanwhile the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat, like Jesus was uh, fasting. He says, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Okay, so let me read that again. His disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? (laughs) Who slipped him a Twinkie while no one was looking, right? Like what? (laughs) Right? You see their confusion. And then, I, I love, man, he is so patient. Listen to what he says. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Man, what a different reality that Jesus lived in than what we normally do. Right? They said, Rabbi, eat. And he said, man, I've got, I've got sustenance 
from a place which you do not know about. And they said, well, what, like somebody brought you something. And he says, no, food for me, life, sustenance, satisfaction for me is to do the will of the one who sent me, to do the will of the Father. And in that, I am filled. Man, we can't, we, uh, you've, you've heard me say it before, we can't look at Jesus and say he's this anomaly. Well, that was Jesus. He's the only one that hungers for God like that. That's not true. Jesus was filled with the Spirit and is the example of what our lives should look like. So when we see Jesus make this uh, statement, we have to go, it's an accountability statement for us. Where is our food coming from? Where is our satisfaction coming from? Are we satisfied by doing that which he has said for us to do? Are we satisfied in obedience and in relationship with him? Or is something else bringing us satisfaction? What Jesus says in these passages is, look, man, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, you gain life and satisfaction from the Father and from nothing else. Everything else is just external. What I need is, is not what you say that I need. What I need is Him. What I need is intimacy with Him. What I need is to do what He sent. And as long as He provides food to eat, that's fine. But I'm not filled by it. Wow. I mean, that's accountability. We've got to begin to ask ourselves. Is food simply what God gives for our bodies to stay alive for the time appointed on the earth? And are we satisfied by him or is food and everything else that comes with this world what we are living for? I'm not saying, look, again, I'm saying God's calling us into a deeper sea. I'm not saying all of you guys in here are like, I want to satisfy the American dream and that's what I'm, that's what I'm bent on. I'm not saying that you guys are all uh, money hungry and career monsters. Like I'm not, that's not us, but I'm saying even the smallest bit of us that's satisfied by the things of the world, do we want for God to kill that in us that we might only be satisfied by him? I get that you love Jesus. I get that you hunger and thirst for him, but what I'm asking is, is there, is, is there a work that God could do in us where that would be increased? Or have we become satisfied with mostly Jesus and a little bit of this? Anybody? Because I find myself there all the time. Like in these areas, mostly Jesus will work, but I also sometimes need this. I would also love it if, if my vehicle would work. I would also love it if my house was a little bit bigger. I would also love it if this, this, and this. But mostly it's Jesus. And I'm kind of in this place where I'm going, no. I don't want it to be mostly Jesus. I want it to be all Jesus. I want him to show me these things that I still, that I still uh, live my life after. That in some way I may wake up in the morning and I set my steps based on things of the earth and not based on the things of heaven. And I want that to be rid from me. Because Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, man, there is stuff that I gain that satisfies me that you have no idea about. And it is all about the Father. Quit urging me to eat. Quit urging me to take these things of the world. Man, some of that pressure to live and love the world comes from our own biblical community. And I'm not saying that so that you condemn those that, that are pressuring you in that way. I'm just saying it so that you're aware don't listen to the guy next to you and how he loves the world and go, well, he's a Christian. Maybe I should love the world more, right? Maybe this is okay. I feel like God's calling us to give him everything. 
right? And fasting is a discipline in which we identify those things in our life that satisfy us which are not of Him. So was there anywhere? Nope, nope, never mind, just kidding. Go to Luke. I want to show you this. How do we fast? Real quick, how do we fast? According to Acts 13, they fasted. Fasting is not a singular thing, okay? We don't just fast. What were they doing? They were fasting and worshiping and praying, right? These all go together. You're going to find fasting to be very difficult if you don't worship and pray in the midst of your fasting, okay? It'll very quickly become about you if in it you're not also acknowledging God in worship and asking according to His will, okay? Look at uh, Luke chapter 2. Did I already tell you that? All right, Luke 2. Check out, I said Anna was a... um, Someone that fasted in the scriptures. Listen to how she did it. I love it. Just one verse. Uh, verse 37. And then as a widow until she was 84. Anybody 84? Okay. So she's outdoing you all. Okay. Until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting. Worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. See, just like in Acts 13, fasting is not singular. She did not depart from the temple worshiping and fasting and praying day and night. Um, you may be wondering, okay, if Kendall, if this, if this fasting is supposed to be this inward thing in the secret place, why are you announcing it? <laughs> right? Why are, you, why are we all doing it together? Why does everybody know? Um, there are many, 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 many examples in the scriptures of corporate fasting where a declaration would be sent out to the people of God that says we need to return to the Lord. We need a time of focus, and that time of focus uh, came in a corporate fast. What book are we going through in the 1045 hour? Anybody been listening? Ezra, right? What, is that, what happens in Ezra chapter 8? They're preparing for the journey home, and what is declared in order for the supply needed? He says, I'm not going to ask the king. I'm not going to ask the king to give us what we need, but I'm going to ask the people to commit to a corporate fast. They were fasting for the journey home. They were fasting for the supply needed for the journey home. And so they were fasting that they might know that it's not the king and all his riches that's going to give us what we need. They're fasting because they know the one who has called us home will supply everything we need for this journey, right? That's just one example. There's many times in scripture where there's corporate fasting. So what we're going to do is we are going to corporately fast. I'm going to give you the details. You ready for the details? I asked you a minute ago if you're ready to fast, and like three of you said yes. So those three, you ready? Let's be really simple. I think in our desire to simplify, sometimes we complicate. Um, and what I mean by that is I think we, we, we make fasting some ways too vague, like you pick whatever you want. or um, so. I, I, and not that that's bad. That's really actually, actually good, but I think to be on the same page, um, let's, we're going to fast from food, not water, okay? You're going to fast from food. Please, just practically drink water while you fast, okay? Here's the practicals. November the 6th, Thursday night, 
we will begin when the sun goes down. Everybody needs to, because I don't have all of your phone numbers for like a mass text. If you will follow us on Instagram or Twitter, we will update you on all of the fasting stuff. It's really easy. It's at Revive SFA for both of those. At Revive SFA. I don't know. I, I'm still thinking Twitter's cool. Apparently that's way gone. So you can do Instagram too. <laughs> we have that. I told Melina the other day, hey, wait, whoa, we're getting left behind. The Instagram thing is now cool. I can't keep up. Okay. So follow us on one of those and we'll tell you, okay, it's begun. Okay. Um, but the practicals, like what specifically you're going to be praying through during different hours of that fast, that's going to be set in life group. Your life group leaders will tell you what, that, what those things are going to be. I'm not going to set that. I want you guys to do that from a smaller community. I think it'll be more impactful, okay? So, um, we, uh, so November 6th at sundown to November 7th. Uh, you're going to discuss this week in life groups the elements of your fast. The fast is not until Thursday night, so um, you will all have had your life group before then. You're going to come up with, with the prayer points and scriptures that will go with that through your fast. I want you all to be focused in the same way during the fast, okay? And um, really what we want to do is we want to corporately seek the Lord for our focus, as God wants to take us deeper, and for our city, okay? Those are just the two really general things. The rest will be set in life group. Here's some practicals, okay? Drink water. I just said that. Please drink water. If you, for some reason, cannot, for any, any reason at all, cannot participate, there is no condemnation. You need to just tell us or, or say, look, I... I can't do it, or I'll, then it is absolutely appropriate to fast in a different way, to go, look, I'm this, this, and this reason, I can't abstain from food, so I'm going to participate, but I'm going to have to do this in a different way. But please tell your group that that's what you're doing. You don't have to share why. Like, I'm not telling you to reveal your medical history. I'm just saying, tell them you're going to be fasting in a different way, so there's some accountability there, okay? Um, so, So don't do it if you can't. Uh, if you can't do it. And then when the fast is over, what we normally do is like, man, I haven't eaten for a day. Let's go have barbecue and and you just like gorge. Please don't do that. You will feel awful. <laughs> that will that will not fill you. That will make your stomach hurt. Um, so end the fast with like light fruit and a salad. Doesn't that sound so great after you're starving? But um, and uh, what? Okay. Um, the other thing is this is a beginning point. So let's begin with this. This is a beginning corporate fast. I want us to learn it corporately, but, but ask the Lord, what would it look like for a lifestyle of fasting? What would it look like? Um, the, all these folks I listed, they had specific days during the week where they always fasted. What would it look like every Wednesday for me to fast? What would it look like every week for me to fast? What would it look like for me to go uh, on longer fasts than a day? Now, remember, please remember, don't do this for any reason but the Lord. If you begin to do it to prove to see how long you can fast or how regular you can fast, then you have missed it and there will be no reward. Fast according to the Lord. Let me pray for you. God, please help us to learn to seek you in a deeper place. God, just in a practical way, a discipline of fasting, I pray that you would teach us. You would keep us from being religious. Man, our flesh wants to be religious. Our flesh wants to glorify us and say, look what I can do. Look what I'm doing. God, I pray that you would keep our mouths shut. 
God, I pray that we would focus on the inner man, that we would cultivate intimacy with you. God, we already know that you've said that when we fast, if we fast according to you and seeking you, that you see us and that there will be reward. God, what greater thing could we ask for except for reward from you? And that's what we want. God, set our lives to love the reward which comes from you, the food and the sustenance and the satisfaction which comes from you. God, we ask for you to do great work in this corporate fast. We ask for you to bring great focus. We ask for you to bring revival amongst us in this fast. We pray for discipline to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.